about them Irish. I can't take it anymore. I need a national championship. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame are going to the Camping World Bowl. I'm joined by Steve. This is the Four Horsemen Podcast. And what do you think about that bowl game? Uh, pretty horse shit. Uh, I just don't. Who who is Al, is Alabama playing Michigan? Yes, Alabama is playing Michigan. Okay. In the uh, Citrus Bowl. Okay. Um, Michigan three losses. Hard to justify that. Uh, you know they would play Alabama over us. I understand Michigan beat us head to head. Get that. And then uh, wh- who's another team that I think it's still like a Power Five conference? Memphis. Who is Memphis playing? Yeah, Memphis has, um, I think it's the Cotton Bowl against Auburn, I want to say. See, that um, is even more ridiculous that Memphis gets into the Cotton Bowl over Notre Dame, in my opinion. Like, we're just an at-large team, ranked 15th, 10-2, and two, it's Notre Dame. We are arguably a top-10 team, so uh, I just, one thing that I would get away from if it were me, would be uh, bowl games being decided by you know a bid from a certain conference or whatever that may be. It drives me insane because you know, we're just getting crappy matchups. This is a crappy matchup. Yeah, I should clarify. It's Penn State that they're playing in the Cotton Bowl. And I think that's just because the Cotton Bowl has um, a specific tie-in with the uh, – the non-power five group. But yeah, I agree. The The tie-ins with the conferences kind of make the bowl season suck major dick. Um, it's just, it's not the matchups you want to see. I mean, Notre Dame should be in the Orange Bowl right now against, um, I think that would be against Auburn, instead of, or Florida, that'd be against Florida. It should be Florida, Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl instead of Virginia. Um, but, you yeah. know, that's the way the bowl ties work, and it is what it is. Like, it's, it's a bowl game. It's... Not a you know New Year's Six bowl game, but it's you know in the next group, um, and it's a favorable matchup too. I'm sure we'll get into that. Um, Iowa State is a seven and five Big Twelve team. There's some interesting stuff going on, but I suppose we should start kind of with um, how the season ended since we haven't recorded since. So Stanford, um, do you have any thoughts there? And our first win in Palo Alto in about seventy years. It felt freaking good to get the monkey off the back, man. Um... Oh, uh, we we were a little bit sloppy at times. Uh, I think it, if memory serves me correctly, just took a little bit of a uh, little bit of magic. I think special teams and and defense to get uh, a fire lit under you know under the ass of the team, and and finally we were able to uh, to pull away and and put them away pretty handedly. Um, you know, so it's whatever. A win's a win. Ten and two. Uh, we've discussed this previously, but this basically solidifies or ensures our most successful program uh, or, or decade of a program since the 1980s, which obviously we know was, know was very fortuitous. So we're definitely on the up and up in terms of uh, the rebuild. Uh, you could basically say that we've rebuilt at this point, 
And and now we are just waiting for the pieces that we've accumulated to fall into place. And, and this is something I've mentioned in the past where it's like it feels like over the years we had a lot of pieces all at once. It's just not all of them were clicking all together. Still kind of feels like we're in that mode, but it feels like with the recruiting classes we've been building – yeah, I know this is the, the typical Notre Dame thing to say, but, you know, finish strong this year and next year really feels like it could be something special. What are your thoughts? Yeah, it feels like for the first time kind of in the Brian Kelly era, we're at the point where we have rebuilt. It felt like we kept getting there and then falling down and getting there and falling down. And it feels now, you know, four to the last five years, ten wins. Um, the one for four and eight year was just... It was ridiculous even the year it happened. Notre Dame should not have only won four games. They were better than that. Um, so that's kind of just a, an outlier. Um, but other other than that, you know, what this is three years in a row now. Um, ten wins, ten wins, and twelve wins. Um, so it's good. I think we are getting to that spot now where we are, where Georgia is, where Oklahoma is, where Ohio State is. Um, it's just going to be taking that next step. And I think our recruiting class coming in has got a lot of talent. We're going to get a lot of skilled position guys coming in. So I think overall, if you look at the big picture, I know the season is disappointing for all of us. We all wanted another playoff spot, but it was unrealistic, um, or it was a long shot, rather. Um, but I think still 10 wins in a bowl game, if we finish the year 11-2 and two with a not a major bowl, but a, a significant bowl anyway, um, I would say that's a good season. Not ideal but it is a good season and it sets us up for next year like you said um and i think we're at that position now where notre dame's going to start getting i know this year we got really no respect by the committee but we're going to start getting i think a little more respect year in year out especially if we can start winning big games and that's going to start with clemson next year at home in november um that's the game to mark whether we're in this group or not i think if you get clemson at home Next year, that'll be kind of the playoff determiner as well. Because if Clemson loses a game, they're probably not in the playoff. Just the mm-hmm. way their schedule is being in the ACC. So overall, you know, the look back at the season, we had high moments and low moments. It was just very frustrating. It was the most frustrating 10-2 and two season I think we've had in a long, long time. Just because we should have been better. Um, we struggled with some games we shouldn't have struggled with. But ultimately, with Stanford, you know, Stanford was kind of a microcosm of the whole season, right? Like, we we start off slow, and then we end up covering the spread anyway. <laughs> um, so I think we're kind of in a good spot. Um, little disappointing overall, but yeah, I'll let you uh, let you take on from there. A very quick interjection, just with your thoughts, uh, just as you described how frustrating this year was. And, and we were so hot or cold. We were so hot or uh, hit or miss in, in terms of Ian Book's proficiency. Sometimes he would run down the field uh, and, and move the offense like he was Drew fucking Breeze. You know, short guy, but it doesn't matter. Like, he's accurate. He's getting the throws. He, you know, stepping up in the pocket, making the plays. And then there would be other times where he would look like, I don't know, with name of Pittsburgh Steelers quarterback right now because none of them can complete a pass. Um so it, it, it was so frustrating to watch. Uh, and the Stanford game was a microcosm of the season. But even through all of that, the point to be made here, I believe if I saw this correctly, this is the most points that a Notre, team, Notre Dame team has ever scored in history. Think about how insane that is. If not, we're definitely up there in regards to maybe top 10 teams in terms of of total scoring but 
this Notre Dame team put up a lot of points, and it's even in a year where we were very frustrated. I don't even know what to make of that. If it, if I'm even more frustrated by it, or if I'm happy and or, or and relieved by it, to think like, hey, maybe things aren't as bad as they are. I just, you know, as you were kind of describing your thoughts on the Stanford game and the season as a whole, that that was something that kind of popped into my brain. Yeah, it definitely didn't feel like this was the most high-scoring offense in our history. And it's fire. It's funny because they fired or mutually agreed to part ways with Chip Long, the offensive coordinator, who was disappointing this year. Um, he was kind of highly regarded coming into the season, and he kind of let us down a lot. Um, I think a lot of the play designs were not well thought out. Um, there was a little more of an emphasis on passing the ball this year, which is good, which is probably why we ended up scoring more than we ever have. And I hope that continues. I hope we we stick with an aerial attack. But, yeah, it, it is a weird season. I think maybe we had expectations that were just way too high and that when they came in under, even though we still had a good season, it, it doesn't feel like it, especially with the way we lost to Michigan. If there's anything I could take back in the season, it would be the Michigan game, just because of how much better we are than Michigan. And getting absolutely embarrassed by that in, in Ann Arbor was very hard to watch. But I think I'd like to touch about one thing is this idea that Notre Dame should join the conference. I know we hear this shit every year, but with the bowls, the way they fell and with the playoff opportunity, not looking so great, people have been suggesting getting into a conference, but one, I'm a historian. So love Notre Dame. I romanticize it. We, we just can't do that. But also, the playoff is expanding soon. If you know, if you're one of those people who think, well, we to get into the top four, we need to be in a playoff, or we need to go, or we need to be in a conference, or we need to go 12 and 0. Not necessarily, as we've talked about. There were definitely seasons where Notre Dame, with one loss, could have gotten in, including this year. I think if Notre Dame runs the table after Georgia, they probably get in ahead of Oklahoma because the committee seemed hesitant to put Oklahoma oh, in this year. Absolutely, they would have a hundred percent. And that's funny because we've been, you know, we were tracking that all season and it ended up not mattering. But that would have been one situation where Notre Dame probably gets in and then would get annihilated by LSU. But, you know, that's a different story. But here's the thing is the playoffs probably going to expand. So even there's no point in joining a conference because if we move to six or to eight, Notre Dame's fine. A one loss Notre Dame will always make the playoff. Um, so I, I kind of want to stomp that out because I've heard that this offseason. Yeah, and, uh, and also this was an extraordinary, and you've you have yourself said this basically verbatim. This was an extraordinarily good year for the top end of college football. The top fifteen alone, a, not much is separating a lot of those teams. They are incredible. Uh, you know, you think about it. This is the first time, literally, in decades that we've seen a two-loss Alabama team. Like pretty crazy. So. It's if this is the year you're you're making the stance that Notre Dame needs to join a conference. It's like I, I I don't think that it's indicative. I think this is an outlier. Yeah, and usually we would get a New Year's Six bowl game with the season we had. It's just the Big Ten had a really good season, in the sense that they all kind of beat each other but didn't cannibalize each other. So they were you know they were able to all stay in the top fifteen. Minnesota was surprising. Um, Wisconsin doing as well as they did I think was a little surprising. And then the SEC had a really good year, too. I don't think we expected Florida to have been a 10-2 a and two team, which congratulations to them um, but and, and our friend Evan. But, you know, that's one of the, the teams we didn't expect to have such a good season. LSU, we didn't expect either to even have remotely the season they did have, right? That's what a quarterback can do for a program. And then, again, there was three 
undefeated teams this season. That's two years in a row, and it seems very unlikely. If you look back in college football history, very rarely do you get more than one team who goes the season undefeated. So I wonder if this is becoming the new Norman college football, if we're getting more uncompetitive in the sense that we just have more teams that just dominate everybody, or if perhaps this is just two seasons of an outlier where you have three teams that are going 12-0 and or 13-0. and So I think that's something to look forward to in the future. I mean, obviously Notre Dame has to strive for that every year. Um, but this season of college football has been very interesting. Um, so do you have anything else you want to say about Stanford, or do you want to move on to the bowl games? Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, just given the uh, quick state of the podcast, Dylan is a law student. Uh, I myself, I work in financial sales. Uh, so Dylan is smack dab in the middle of having to read tons of chapters every single night in, in regards to uh, his studies. I am working basically 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, that means I'm out the door at 6 and I don't get home until 10. Uh, so you know, that's kind of just year end sales and that's how it works. Uh, you know, this is the Eve before Thanksgiving Eve. So we, we were able to finally carve out some time for the both of us. So it's been quite some time since the Stanford game. I have a general idea of how it went just for memory's sake, but, uh, I don't, I don't really have too much in particulars on the game to get to more though, more so on the overarching season playoff implications, recruiting and, and a whole bunch of other different topics. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll defer here on any Stanford talk, but I'll let you lead us into the next segment. If, if any. Yeah, we're, uh, we're a little less organized than usual. Um, but I think perhaps we could talk about just kind of the season in general before we move on to, to some bowl games. So what would you think, what would you say is the highlight of our season this year? Um, that's that's hard because when it comes to a highlight, I mean, the highlights are all against inferior teams. I mean, our last five games, we were winning by an average of, what, 25, 30 points? Um, yeah, so we, down the stretch, looked phenomenal after the Michigan game. Um but yeah, I mean, I I just don't without a marquee victory, really, it's it's hard to 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 pick a highlight. Felt good to beat up against Navy. They're a what ten and two team that's ranked. Um, you know the the final drive against Virginia Tech, that was exhilarating, but we, it should have never gotten to that point if we are supposed to be the team of of caliber that we are. So it almost feels like a letdown, even though if, if you put things into perspective, that was incredible. Uh, even going back and rethinking like the fourth and 12 play where, where Claypool on a slant gets like 18 yards. Uh, it just, it was crazy. You know, it's, there's been so many awesome parts of the season, but it's unfortunately a rainy day in, or a rainy evening in Ann Arbor just honestly destroyed everything about it. And and that's what stinks is um, it, you know, one, one game, one, you know, a couple hours of football really just uh, destroyed all hopes. Yeah. I think we could probably pick a few individual highlights. You know, Chase Claypool's made some frankly insane catches this year. Um, that's really helped us in, in clutch moments too. But if we were to pick a high point, and it's weird because it's a game that really was kind of ugly and you didn't like the way it ended. But the USC game is probably it. 
um, because it's the rival. It's the the pinnacle of rival for Notre Dame. Um, it's a three-game winning streak. USC had a good year. I think they went, what, 9-3? and three? Or did they go 8-4? and four? One of the two, I think, 8-4, and four, but... They I mean, seemed better than than usual, at least. They were a competitive team. And it's one we should have, you know, it's one that by the end of the game, we weren't happy with it. It should have been more than a three-point win. But just beating, I think, USC is probably usually the highlight of the season anyway. I would say maybe the bowl win, if we if we win the bowl game, could be it. But it, it is a little sad how this season has not brought many high points because we the teams we beat were inferior and um, the big games that mattered didn't didn't go our way. Um, and I, I don't know, Georgia was a fun game. It was absolutely fun to watch that game. But I don't know if that's a, a highlight. Would you have, you know, I'm asking this off the top of your head, but maybe four horsemen of the season? Uh, number four, uh, defense linebacker Drew White. Um yeah, Osmar Belial deserves it just as much as anybody else. You know, that guy really came into his own. Um, but in terms of a presence of the middle of the field, everyone was talking about the interior of our defense needing to be next level or, or stepping it up. And, and Drew White uh, filling in the, it was either the Mike or the Will uh, role. Um, you know, and and standing out in in doing so, uh, I don't think any interceptions, but uh, more, more of a run stopper. Um, you know, getting after the quarterback had a handful of sacks, and he was in on a bunch of plays. Um, I I guess if if we're if I'm going to do two offense, two defense, um, I I love Khalid Kareem. And Julian Aquara is a stud too, obviously. And there's a bunch of other di- different guys to pick from, but Khalid Kareem just seems like just an awesome guy. Uh, he's terrifying when he puts on the uh, the the black makeup around his eyes, and he has like the the beads coming from his hair, and he looks fucking scary, man. And uh, coming around the edge, he is he is something talented. And hopefully, I know he's he was banged up at the end of the year. Um, if he could be well rested for this game and really sh- put on a showcase, that would be awesome. Again, uh, you know, build up his draft stock. On offense, um, number two uh, horseman would probably have to be Ian Book. Everybody knows how critical I've been of Ian. Uh, will he stay for a fifth year? Will he grad transfer? Will he try his luck in the NFL? Yet to be seen and, and all basically inconsequential for at least another 60 minutes of football. Um, but despite the, the inconsistency, the, despite the, the many downs and also the many ups, uh, Ian did overall have a good year. Uh, you know, a lot of highlights, a lot of good statistical numbers that that did come out of the season, especially those final five games. And then number one is far and away Chase Claypool. I mean, just there's every adjective you can describe about and just an incredible athlete and an incredible person. Just from everything I've seen, he's just a stoic, cool guy. Uh, doesn't he's not flashy he's not an asshole just a guy that's all about his business and just gets the job done you know he's willing to block he's a a yak monster as you describe him willing to take on tacklers and just an absolute monster of a talent and and uh it is it's been a pleasure watching him over the course of his Notre Dame career 
Yeah, well, of course I agree, um, Chase. Especially, you know, Canadians don't get many football players to begin with. So having a player of that caliber not only play football but come through Notre Dame means a lot to me particularly. A um, little bit of representation in uh, both in, with the team I love and then, you know, soon to be with the NFL. I can only really think of two horsemen, and that's not because it's been a bad season. I just think we've had a lot of very similar performing players. Um, the defense as a whole, it's really hard for me to distinguish between anybody, which is weird because our two best draft prospects, you know, Julian Okwara is a first-round guy, and Khalid Kareem's going to be a probably first three-round guy. And they were both fantastic this season, but I think almost underperformed our expectations. And the defense as a whole was quite solid that they didn't really stick out. So obviously they've had good seasons, but the only two for me that I could actually say I think were horsemen of the year, one of which didn't even play the first few games, which would be Cole Komet. I thought he had a really good um, senior tight end season or junior, where whatever he is. Um, I know he's got another year of eligibility. He's come, he is coming back, which is going to be absolutely massive. Um, he tied Tyler Eifert's record for tight touchdown, or I think he passed him, and he tied maybe McAfee or Caspers um, for for tight ends in a season or touchdowns in a season. Um, do you have a point of clarification there? I do not. Um, that was actually a really good pick, yeah, and, and and I should have chosen. <laughs> I should have chosen Komet over Book. Um, yeah, he was a monster. I I forget the name of of the of the individual who he beat. I think it was a guy from like the seventies. To be honest, this, it's been quite some time. I think it's McAfee or Dave Casper. Um, but either way, he tied it and he could beat it for single season touchdowns with a touchdown in the bowl game. I thought he had a good season overall. He was so dominant in the Georgia game. Uh, he's a baller, and I know. Some draft people that I follow are huge on him. They're almost a little disappointed he's not going to the NFL this year. Um, because um, if I recall, I think Dane Brugler has him as his number one tight end um, this season, which I thought was a little surprising. I'll have to double check on that. But he is that talent because of how athletic he is, how good he is at blocking, and how just great he is catching the ball and running with it. You know, he's a real modern tight end. So I'll, I'll give Komet credit there. And also, I mean, Number one has to be Chase Claypool. I mean, the the season he put on, he wasn't even putting up the numbers at the start of the season, but he was just so dominant whenever he would get the ball. And I think if Ian Book had been better, if we would have got the Ian Book maybe of last year, I think he could have put up even more. Um, but the way Chase Claypool finished the season with, you know, a million touchdown catches, <laughs> it seemed like, was just unbelievable um, to see. So I'm really get, glad, um, you know, the kid from BC is going to go on to the NFL. It sucks that we're going to miss out on him, but um, I think we'll be pretty good at the receiver position. Do you want to maybe talk just a brief second about maybe where recruiting is, is looking next year because you're the recruiting guy? Um, yeah. And, and kind of what we have in store for next season. So we had a top 15 team. Uh... You know, team or roster, I guess, uh, we're signing class more specifically, um, you know, heading into signing day for the second consecutive year. This is huge. Didn't lose a single recruit uh, or, or commit rather um, on early signing day. All 18 for 18 signed as as instantly as they could. I'm pretty sure eight of those 18 are going to be early enrolling. And we actually picked up um, 
it was 17 signees plus one grad transfer in Isaiah uh, Powell, I think, I believe his name. Yeah, uh, Ohio State safety, right? We yes, o- about that. Ohio yeah, State huge. safety. So that's huge. And he, and he did officially sign his letter of intent. And then additionally, we did pick up one extra commitment on someone who was undecided uh, by the name, I, I believe. Oh, geez, I just had his name. Um, Roberson, Robertson. Um, sincerely apologize uh, for I just had it a couple moments ago, but my phone is away from me at the moment. Um, reports that he's technically a three-star uh, athlete. He can play wide receiver. He can play cornerback. A lot of people are saying are very high on him, saying he's at the very least a four-star, faster than Brady Braden Lindsay. Uh, so that just gives you an idea of p- his potential in his future. Most people are projecting him to play cornerback. Uh, and he, I think he's 6'2", 180. So a, a lot of length, a ton of speed and athleticism. That's exciting to add to a secondary, which is going to be slightly depleted from a loss of, uh, of you know some senior talent over the next year. Yeah, and, and can you tell us what, because obviously official signing day isn't until you know a few months from now. Can you tell us is there more to this class? Because Notre Dame's only at you know seventeen or eighteen signed, and usually I know this is supposed to be a smaller class than usual because we do have a high number of scholarships, but usually you get close to twenty five. Is there is there room for more Notre Dame? Like is this class going to get better? Because you know on on rank on twenty four seven, they're like the ninth rate ranked class. Yes, in, but they have only 19 or whatever people. Are we expecting, you know, maybe one or two more, or do you have any idea there? As of now, I don't think there's any expectation. I mean, they're never out on anybody in particular. Uh, the the signing of that that kid I was just describing, uh, he was the one that p- pushed them, I think, from the 14th ranked team uh, or or class up to the uh the ninth ranked class and, and i can have his name in just a moment because i feel like an asshole ramon henderson out of bakersfield california 62180 exactly correct so um thank you ramon for signing and welcome to the irish family they uh they still have some targets uh but they're likely not going to get anybody else in this cycle but just as we signed five-star chris tyree who runs like a 4140 who's uh, going to be the running back of our future we have another kid will shipley out of north carolina it's basically between us and nc state he's almost exclusively cut out clemson at this point which is actually astonishing um and it's a lot of people have the the inclination that he's going to be signing with the Irish. So not for this cycle, but for next cycle, 2021, uh, we are pretty much all in on Will Shipley, another five-star all-purpose back. Uh, basically, think of Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> so uh, at the skill position, I mean, there's, there's tons of guys that uh, we are going after. Uh, tons of different, tons of talent in the pool. If you'd like me to get more specific, more than happy to. I think another thing too is we got a good news with the, um, well, I mean it's you know materially it's immaterial in the end, but for our sake as fans, the new rankings came out like they updated the cycle and uh, Tyree was made a five star and our receiver boy Johnson was a five star, so we're actually getting five stars. I know we all you know de facto know they're five stars, and also I didn't realize this, but. Um, the uh, the elite quarterback that we, everyone's talking about, Buckner, 
He's actually mm-hmm. next year's class. He's not in this year's class. I yes. thought he was. No, that's Drew Pine for this year. So we're we're going to be a little bit late. Uh, or So he's just going to come in a little bit later. Was he upgraded to a five-star or is he still a, a four-star guy? He's still not considered a five-star yet, but it's basically a foregone conclusion that he will be. That's good. Five-star quarterbacks are I'm pretty are sure he just important. led his team to a state title, and I'm pr- and uh, he was described as putting up quote-unquote video game numbers. Like I think like think like in the range of like seventy touchdowns in a ten-game season. Yeah, that's something I heard too. Um, it was just the stats he was putting up in his junior year was just r- ridiculous. So overall, we probably look pretty good um, heading into next year. We're going to lose some talent. On the edge, we're going to lose some talent at wide receiver. But all the line, the, the offensive linemen are coming back, apparently. Um, we got um, a safety coming in from Ohio State, so we'll, we'll kind of manage some proven talent in the secondary. Um, Troy Pride is probably gone. He's a draft prospect. Um, Sean Crawford said he's coming back. I don't know how that is possible, but he said he's coming. Um, so there should be enough talent to kind of salvage defensive continuity offensively um i don't really think our running backs are good enough to really particularly care about um they're replaceable it's not like chris tyree you know where i want him to come and stay for the full four years so i'm not too concerned there book could come back uh, Komet's coming back and then most of the receivers are coming back um i think just having Braden lindsey and uh, is it Kevin Austin? Everybody's looking forward to. Yeah. Um, so Kevin Austin, I, I think next year, I don't want to get too much into it, but we should be well off with a lot of talent coming in from the recruiting class. Um, do you have anything else you want to say before we actually move on to bowl games? Um, yeah. And on the edges, I mean, we're, we're still going to be young, um, uh, with, with some guys coming through like, uh, Isaiah Foskey, uh, and Nana Osofa Mensa, uh, but Eddie Ogundeji will be back, uh, and and he was one of the guys that came on late into the season. I always knew that he was talented. You know, he's he's like six foot five and like two ninety, uh, and and he looks like and he plays like he's two forty. Uh, so I mean that he's he's incredibly talented. Uh, so the edge will still have, um, you know, we'll still have some bite out there, um, you know. Would would love to see how everything pans out with incoming freshmen and also a, a lot of different red shirts because we have so much talent over the last few years that have kind of been uh, sitting out, developing, and and you know especially at the quarterback position. Well, so we'll see how that pans out. Um, but I I think it's definitely very easy to get extremely excited after i think what's this the fourth or fifth consecutive top 15 uh recruiting class in a row and we're never going to get a bunch of five stars that's just the fact of the matter you have to be a 3.0 student it's hard to sell south bend indiana when uh when you could be in athens georgia right it's it's a tough sell um but the quality of guy that we're getting, that we're recruiting, that we're going after, it's the whole four for forty year, uh, you know, the, the four for forty deal. Uh, and and the guys who get it, they get it. And and there's, I think you you can see a, a tangible difference 
in in guys that are at the school while they're on campus and then also once they make it to the NFL you can really see uh, how guys have been handling themselves and and there's there is a difference I, I not to get too preachy from from the moral high ground here but uh, a Notre Dame guy um, there's just a, there's just a great caliber about him that that makes you really want to root for him whether it be you know will fuller or um, you know any of our other Pro Bowl guys, such as Quinton Nelson or, or anyone of the source. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'd say get think less uh, about the class rankings and more about the the caliber that they're that of of the guy that's going to be coming in to fit in. Because uh, sometimes, you know, yeah, Antonio Brown, despite his him being a psychopath, was a three star prospect once upon a time. So. Um, Sometimes just t- it takes guys a little bit of time to develop. Uh, it, it's more so about the the mentality of of getting them onto campus uh, to be excited about. I think that's well said um, and a good transition. Kind of two other things. So we're obviously in the middle of bowl season right now. Um, if you guys recall, last season we did our bowl projections. Um, it was the three of us and. I had my girlfriend do it, who knows absolutely nothing about college football. And to nobody's surprise, uh, my girlfriend, who knows nothing about college football, beat us significantly, actually. Um, So we did it again this year. Um, I haven't counted any of the games today, but um, Steve's having a rough go of it. He's two for nine. I'm five for nine, and my girlfriend's four for nine, and I'm very (laughs) sure she's going to win again. Um that's just the way college football is. Eh? It's you, you don't know anything, even if you know something. And that's kind of the point we wanted to make is, you know, my girlfriend who knows absolutely nothing about it can just pick whatever name sounds prettier and she'll probably beat us. <laughs> so um, is there any particular bowl games you want to get into that are, are you know, interesting um, that might be worth kind of talking about? Uh, let me just pull up the list really quickly that you sent me the other day. And I could not be any colder to get started. It's it's actually astonishing. How about we start with while you're looking? Um, I'll just start us off. The first real bowl game is going to be the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, Penn State and Memphis. Um, you and I both took Penn State, and um, my girlfriend took Memphis. <laughs> so, what do you think about this game? Do you think Memphis has a shot? Do you think? Um, that, you know, perhaps we'll see something we don't expect. Preposterous. Just so, so uh, like Notre Dame versus Penn State Cotton Bowl. Come on. I mean, yeah, that's should have been that both two lost teams, both ranked in the top 15, you know, right just on the cusp of the outside looking in, um, I mean, there's a history have, between these two as well. A, a history bit of a between the programs, both blue bloods. Uh, you know, I mean, come on, like th- this. I think this might have been the matchup for Notre Dame that would have made the most sense, and and I think they there would have been a ton of money and a ton of viewership with this game. How they let this go through is ridiculous. Again, I just to reiterate from the beginning, I think the fact that there's bowl, uh, bowl game tie-ins from conferences at this point is antiquated and absurd. It made sense back in the day, but we are a much more nationalized and much more connected society and, and sport these days. So, um, you know, 
uh, okay, I get it. You want the Pac-12 versus the Big 12 in, in the, the Rose Bowl. Like, okay, it's tradition. I understand. I'm a huge guy about tradition myself. Love tradition, but I also am all about adapting. And, and this is a little bit absurd that Memphis is likely going to get their shit kicked in. And when I say they're likely going to get their shit kicked in, I mean that they're probably going to win because I'm 2-9 and nine so far, which doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well said. Um, I think it is a game. I think the thing with the bowl games with the smaller teams is it means everything to them. And we saw that last year with Texas. Um, sorry to flex on that entire program. But when Texas <laughs> played Georgia, it meant absolutely everything to Texas. And they were definitely not as good as Georgia, but they beat them. And you'll see that. I mean, that was the one year UCF beat Auburn. It was kind of like that, too. So I wouldn't be surprised if Memphis wins. I don't expect it, and I really think that could have been a perfect bowl game. Notre Dame and Penn State both having a you know a mutual game against Michigan. Um, both of the two schools not particularly liking each other, um, because you know obviously we're Notre Dame and you hate us, and you know they covered up child molestation, so we hate them. <laughs> and um, you know I think that would have been great. You know I always get Steve with those jokes. Like every time I use them, he fucking laughs his ass off to it, and it's. It's perfect. Um, here's another game, um, and it's one that I flip-flopped on. The Holiday Bowl, well, to be to be particular, and this is where our corporate overlords are just destroying college football, the San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. As <laughs> if we need more sponsors. Mm-hmm. USC versus Iowa. I think that's going to be a really good game, and this is one where you took USC – uh, my girlfriend took Iowa, and I flipped on it, and I'm ultimately going with um, the Trojans here. W- what do you think about that one? Is that one you might tune into? Do you think that could be a good game? Uh, depending on my work schedule, when it plays out, I would I would be interested in seeing it because this kid, Keaton Slovis, their true freshman, has now uh, he's now getting points. Uh, you know, I think he's like plus sixteen hundred or something like that to be uh, Heisman for for next year. But like he's he's put. He's carried the ball far enough this year to get them up to a point where they're in what eight nine program in in the face of us literally laughing at them and to begin the year thinking that they might go like three and nine. So hell of a turnaround uh, for them. I've always said that they have an incredibly talented roster. They're just a program in disarray, uh, and and they're really feeling those effects right now with their most recent recruiting class. Um, so I think that there's still just too much top end talent, too much speed, you know, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Keaton Slovis and, and, uh, and company for Iowa who, you know, for all intents and purposes are basically the Chicago bears of college football. It's like they, their goal is to win every game, like 13 to 12. Um, I just don't see that style of, of play fending off USC for four quarters and I don't see them having enough offensive upside to put up more than 17 points so that that's why I'm I'm tending to go with uh with USC but I wouldn't doubt if this game was a little bit tighter than expected you could tell me like you could tell me that either team would blow out the other and I would be like yep that's that's understandable I think this is a game that can go either way I ultimately agree with you on USC just because I think of the offense. USC's kind of been building some momentum this season. And Iowa play some ugly football. You know, we have our problems with USC, but at least they played somewhat decent football. The Big Ten is just awful to watch. 
and Iowa's and Iowa is really the epitome of that. Um, let's just kind of cover some other New Year's Six bowl games. Um, we have the Orange Bowl, which um, all three of us kind of agreed on here. Um, Florida to beat Virginia. I would love it for Virginia to win, but Virginia is not particularly great, and Florida has been very dominant this year. Um, so I expect the, the Aiders to uh, to get that one done. Um, the big one, the one that I want to get your thoughts on, is the Citrus Bowl. Um, I don't even know if that's a New Year's Six Bowl game, but I want to talk about it. Michigan is playing Alabama, and I don't know if there's two programs I hate more in the world than these two assholes. Do you... Well, who are you cheering for, for one? And then, you know, I know who you picked, but you also want to tell us who you think is going to win. I'm rooting for a 0-0 tie and an astonishing amount of injuries. I take that back, but not really, but kind of. Okay, I take it back. Reluctantly. Um, I hate both of these programs with the passion of a thousand sons. I hope Nick Saban... retires um just please walk away from the sport don't make me put a hit out on you i am italian after all um i i hate michigan i it's just I, there's so much hatred there's so many things i want to say that are just inappropriate about either of these two programs i just wish i like i i don't want to touch this game with a thousand foot pole like it's just there's so much animosity that i could possibly have towards these two freaking programs sorry i'm I'm trying to like reel it in while also saying something that's going to have a modicum of uh, of interest to the listener here but uh i'm really struggling to come up with words that that wouldn't be considered like looked down upon by society so i think this would be the worst national championship possible because Alabama is obviously competing with us with titles. Depending on how you count them, I could go a whole podcast on this. We're basically tied. Um, and Michigan is really low. Like, Michigan doesn't actually have many. But they claim 11, which we also claim. So if you look at this this way, like if Alabama were to win a national title over Michigan, they'd be ahead of us. But if Michigan were to win it, even though they wouldn't be ahead of us, they would claim to be ahead of us. And that would piss me off even more. So I'm glad this obviously this isn't the national championship game. But... I, I think I'm cheering for Alabama. I just I can't stand Michigan at all. I know Alabama's you know the uh, the crimson mighty machine that just will not die. But I'm gonna have to go with the Crimson Tide. We all picked the Crimson Tide. Um, it's just Michigan's such scum. And Alabama winning you know a Citrus Bowl doesn't really bother me too much. So I think I'd like to know what the listeners think at home because I, I have a feeling that they don't like Alabama too much either. A part of but me let would us love know. to see a three-loss Alabama team. Yes, but part of me would like to see Michigan lose ninety to nothing. So, you know, it's a it's a give and take. Mm-hmm. Also true, and, and that would actually be a, a great scenario here is if if Michigan got blown out like you know I don't know forty two fourteen. So you know, kind of take the heat off of us a little bit. No big deal. Um, yeah, <laughs> I was just going to say there's another non-New Year's Six Bowl game I'd like to just briefly touch on. Minnesota and Auburn. I think that's maybe the most interesting bowl game out there. Well, well I know who you pick, but what do you think of that game? I think there's another 
slightly more interesting game, but I think this this game definitely has the potential to have a little bit of fireworks because we saw, uh, you know, these uh, Golden Gophers grit their teeth at home against a pretty damn good Penn State team. Um, I just think Auburn with Gus Malzahn are, are too uh, offensively creative and, and one hell of a stud quarterback with true freshman Bo Nix. They've got a astonishing defensive line, uh, you know, down in, in Auburn. Um, so all those things combined, you know, offensive line quarterback and defensive line. I just don't see Minnesota pulling it off, but PJ Fleck, hell of a coach really turned around the feel of that program. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm rooting for Minnesota. I would love to see them win. I'm doubtful that they will. Um, but if I were to put money down in an attempt to kind of just will something into happening, I would love to put $20 down on underdog Minnesota and see them come off with, uh, with the victory here. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with everything you said there. I'm really rooting for Minnesota. I love my Golden Gophers. But uh, I think Auburn really showed how good they could be this year. And I think they'll be just a little too much for Minnesota. But that's another game where maybe the smaller teams thinking this is the Super Bowl and they... And then just put everything into it and win. I wouldn't be surprised. But let's get to uh, the other big bowl games here. So we got the Rose Bowl, Oregon, Wisconsin. I honestly don't even care about that game. What I thought this was going to be the best game. Uh, of the- <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I know it's kind of kind of. Um, I think it'll be the counterintuitive game. I think it'll be a game that could go either way. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I just I just don't care about those two schools. Is really that it's a me thing. It's not you. Yeah, understand entirely. Now, I I I really dislike Oregon. Um, it's good to have them like in the mix as a good program, but I hate them. Uh, un- inexplicably, I think it's maybe just like the jersey thing. You know, pick a fucking jersey. Um, Wisconsin. I'm pretty sure we play them next year at Lambeau. Do 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 we not? I think we do, yeah. Yeah, Fuck. so that Next that would be going to be interesting. Yeah, that would be that would be really fun. They, we either play them at Lambeau or we play them at the uh, the Bears Stadium, Soldier Field. It's one or the other. I think it is a home Notre Dame game at Lambeau, and then the next season will be a road game at Soldier Field because that makes total sense to everybody. <laughs> Yeah, totally, totally inverse of what it should uh, should be. But you know, since since when are our um, neutral site games make any sense at all? But whatever, uh, it's exciting that we're going to be playing Wisconsin soon. Just for that, I'd like to see Wisconsin come up with the the victory here. The higher of a program they can be when we inevitably beat them, um, the the better that is going to feel. So I'm rooting for Wisconsin. I think Oregon is going to win just because I I think they're a little bit too uh, to a little bit too more talented. Uh, but you know, that that's, that's my thoughts on, on it. I think this will be an exciting game. Rose bowls are always a, a special game. Um, you know, I, 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 it goes against my thing that we should get rid of the conference tie-ins for bowl games, but the, you know, it, it, it is uh, the granddaddy of them all. Well, Notre Dame is one and zero in Rose bowl games. So it is a little bit something special there. Um, I took Wisconsin, I think this could go either way. I think Wisconsin against a Pac-12 team, if they play the very ugly Big Ten football where they just run the ball for 60 minutes, I think they could just stop Oregon from getting on the field and could pull out a win. I don't know who I'm rooting for. Um, I don't hate either of them. I just They both mean nothing to me. 
And um, so uh, that, that'll be an interesting to watch, but I don't know. I could go either way. I went with Wisconsin for that reason. How about another one? And this is another really interesting game. It reminds me of Minnesota versus Auburn because I'm sure we're all cheering for one team, but the other team's going to win. The All-State Sugar Bowl, Georgia versus Baylor. Um, give me your thoughts there. Yeah, uh, and, and we probably all will be rooting for Baylor. Um, so that's a good point. I mean, they, they really had uh, Oklahoma on the fucking ropes and just could not put him away. So Matt will figure out how to close a football game, dude. Um, but, you know, he's a good coach. He really brought that program. You want to talk about a resuscitation. You know, that guy did a hell of a job. Um, I'm inclined as a, not from a not from something I would like to do, but I'm inclined to root for Georgia. Again, the more that we can prop up teams that have beat us, the better we would look. And I know that it's you know, it's not like we're battling at this point for, you know, obviously position in, in a playoff, but if we could t- say, hey, our only losses came against this team and this team, and, you know, these are how they performed at the national stage, you know, I, I think it's a little bit easier to justify, hey, you know, this is an 11 win season for Notre Dame and there's a lot of promise to be had. So we should, should be picking up, you know, marquee recruits going forward. So, you know, obviously I have my selfish reasons for rooting for Georgia, even though I don't want to. So, um, kind of just forced into it from, from my rationale there. But if you have any other thoughts and I'd love to hear your take. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I took Georgia. I realized I didn't send you my picks. Um, you can just have to trust me that I won't retroactively change them because <laughs> uh, I keep them in the Excel file here. Um, I took Georgia, although I might actually bet on Baylor because the more I think about it, Matt Rule's an excellent coach, and Baylor, it, we saw what Georgia happened last year in the Sugar Bowl for them, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Baylor do the same thing. I really think Baylor's going to give them trouble, but we just know how good Georgia is, and I think just on paper Georgia is a better team. So I picked Georgia. But you know what? I kind of like Baylor. Maybe money line, or maybe to cover the spread. I imagine they're probably six point at least underdogs. Um, that's another team I like to bet on too. Is Navy? I always bet Navy, especially underdog Navy. They win me a lot of money. And I, I see here that you took Kansas Kansas State, um, but that just popped into my mind. Um, so sorry about that. Um, we'll move on now to the semifinals. Um, I'm hoping after the Notre Dame game we can record so we can preview the national championship so we won't have to predict all the way. But um, let's just talk about the semifinals. Um, we'll start with LSU-Oklahoma because this is one I think is easier for a lot of people to to pick. So do you want to kind of lead us into that? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a lot, all the money is on LSU right now and for good reason. Uh, Joe Burrow, I hate that he's going to be playing the Pittsburgh Steelers twice a year. Uh, for what seemingly his entire career. Um, and he is very easy to like. I've uh, heard you know, his speech was incredible. His season was incredible. You know, Coach O is, is awesome. Um, I don't like LSU as a program, but this team is likable, or at, le- at least more so to, f- to focus on specifically, Burrow is a very likable character. Um yeah, I mean, I, I just think LSU is going to walk away with this one. Uh, I think this has the potential to, to be a very high-scoring game because LSU's defense is suspect, but their offense is incredible. Um, 
uh, LSU's defense will just by dint of talent eventually make more stops. And that's, what's going to lead to probably a, a 14 to 17 point victory. Um, but I wouldn't doubt if this was legitimately like a 48 to 35 game. Yeah, I think Oklahoma's defense has been really good this year, surprisingly. And I think we need to give them credit for that. But it's very ironic that they're the year they actually have both the offense and the defense, they're going to get annihilated in the playoff. Um, LSU, as good as Oklahoma's defense has been, at, you're not stopping LSU. This this Burrow machine is just, it's a train and it's not stopping, baby. I mean, Auburn, I think, is the only team that even hold LSU to a reasonable amount of points. Other than that, it's been it's been video game numbers. I'm going to be honest with you. I hated LSU, um, partially because I grew up in the era of SEC dominance. Like when I really got into college football, it was the year LSU and Alabama were actually playing in the in the title game, and you know Auburn would win it one year or would compete for it, and Alabama was winning it, and LSU was in it, and Florida was still kind of good, and then Georgia was good, and it's just I hated the SEC. And LSU was one of the top teams then, so I hated them. We played them twice in bowl games. And I actually started to like LSU a little more after playing them. I kind of had a little more respect for LSU because we beat them. And I'll be honest with all of you, I am outright rooting for LSU. It's not even like which of these four teams do I hate the least. I am actively cheering for LSU. I love what they're doing this year. Coach O is hilarious. He's a total meme. What? Go fuck Alabama. What was that? Roll Tide what? Roll fuck Tide you. what? Fuck you. That's yeah. it. That is maybe the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. I spit out whatever I was drinking when I was when I heard it. <laughs> um, Joe Burrow's been fantastic. He's a very likable guy, like you said. Um, Heisman winner easily. He was my Heisman winner probably halfway through the season. I had locked him in as a Heisman winner. I like LSU. I actually, and I've tweeted this before, I don't hate Oklahoma at all. I actually like Oklahoma. Um, but they are a blue blood they are a competitor. I see them as that. But LSU is, to me, exciting team, a deserving team, and, and I think they're going to blow them out. Or at least, you know, they're going to score a stupid amount of points. And uh, I really do hope that they, they do win the, the title this year. Um, but who their opponent will be is a really good question. And that's where we're going to move next to the Fiesta Bowl. Ohio State is playing Clemson. Now, before I move it to you, I'll just preface this by saying Clemson has been the most overlooked team in college football again, two years in a row now. And it's because they're in the ACC and they're playing nobody. And if they have one tight game like they did against North Carolina where they really should have lost that game, we kind of forget about Clemson. We kind of say, oh, well, they're they're clearly not that good. And then Clemson goes on to dominate everybody under the sun. And we forget about Clemson. And Ohio State, obviously, for many valid reasons, has been talked about a lot. They, are, they were the number one and number two team. I, I think the committee got it right. This is what I would do for top four. But Ohio State has been one of the best teams this year. They've been so dominant. They've beaten many good teams. But we don't talk about Clemson. And people forget how good Clemson is. So I'll let you talk about the game. But I just want to preface that by saying, hey, guys, Clemson's 13-0, and and they're pretty good, too. Yeah. Um, I think that, that Clemson's defense, you know, their front seven is, is something real from, from what I can tell their secondary is still kind of catching up with, uh, the, in, in terms of talent wise, um, you yeah, know, but their, their pass rush is going to be 
friggin' incredible, like it always is. I mean, they're they're able to find these absolute freaks of nature and throw them on the defensive line interchangeably, and and I don't know if if Justin Fields is going to be ready for that because he truly has not experienced anything like that. Not even against Michigan. You know, I don't even think Michigan's defense could hold a fucking candle to uh, what Clemson's going to going on on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, we know, is obviously incredible. Uh, I'm pretty sure Travis Etienne is probably a top three uh, draft prospect for when he declares uh, and at the running back position. And we know that Justin Ross is a, a hell of a wide receiver as well. I very much would not doubt a Clemson victory here. Um, I think they have the tools. They just have no margin for error, and we do look at them as being weak because of all the the factors that you had just explained. I I believe, if correct me if I'm wrong, I think I picked Ohio State here reluctantly. I did not want to, um, you know, just because I I think they are a little bit. I I just think they they got the juice this year, uh, and and I think it's it's basically going to be. Uh, Justin Fields versus Joe Burrow in in the championship game, um, but this this is going to be one. I I think this is going to be the most exciting uh, matchup, to be honest, or at least until we see how every everything in a national championship shakes out. But I I think Clemson stands a definitely an, an incredible chance. I would probably put this at less than whatever the line is. I I would say it's probably going to be like. Ohio State minus three and a half. Um, if I were to, if I were to, you know, put a gambling line on it, but I think Ohio State will will pull it off, and I, that's why I, I picked them. Yeah, we all took Ohio State, and I like you. I took it reluctantly. I think this could go either way. If you told me Clemson beats Ohio State the way they beat us last year, I'd be like, yeah, that to- makes total sense. I think it's ultimately going to come down to Ohio State's defense. I think Chase Young and that whole defensive line is just something Clemson doesn't quite have the same level of. I think the two quarterbacks will be awesome. But I think Notre Dame, when they played Clemson last year, we held um, the kid, Trevor Lawrence, we held him pretty well for the first half. Until Until Julian Love Love had gone out, he had 80 yards. We were really holding them well, and part of that is because of the pressure we were getting up front, and I think that's where Ohio State is going to probably be better than Clemson. So that's ultimately, I'm going to say Ohio State's going to win, but I wouldn't be surprised if it goes the other way. I'm cheering for Clemson. The reason being is, like Oklahoma, although I actually like Oklahoma, I hate Ohio State to begin with, but Ohio State's one of those other blue bloods who could, you know, they're a, a threat to Notre Dame's status as the greatest all-time program, even though they're not close. Neither of them are close. It's just, you know, you don't want to give them another title to make it closer. You know, that I don't want that to happen. I don't want Oklahoma to win another one. I don't want Ohio State to win another one. So I'm cheering for Clemson. On top of that, I actually don't mind Clemson. I hate Ohio State. Just you know, we all hate Ohio State. It's a weird thing in Notre Dame fan base. We have no rivalry with Ohio State, but everybody hates Ohio State. And um, so obviously rooting for Clemson, but I, I do think the Buckeyes are just a little too good this year. And if that were the case, what a hell of a national title game that would make out to be. LSU versus Ohio State, which is what we're both predicting. Um, but let us know at home, you know, give us a tweet. You know, who do you think is going to be the the title game um i'm sure we're really interested to hear and you know oklahoma they're still a good team too so i wouldn't be surprised if anyone out there thinks the sooners are gonna are gonna move on yeah pretty much uh 
you wrapped it up beautifully uh, in regards to what the games are, what the matchups are, what the potential is going forward, and how everything is going to shake out. Now, just kind of focusing uh, in on, I just want to do a really quick mental exercise with you. And we're running at, right at the hour mark here, and, and we'll let you guys go, even though it is vacation week and none of you are working. So let's face it. <laughs> um, everyone, yeah. Th- the college football system is progressing. It's making, you know, I think this is an in, uh, incrementally better than uh, the BCS system, which was better than what it was before. So we're getting better. We're progressing more as we're getting more statistics and, and information. Um, but everyone also has their critiques of the current system because we want to improve it. If if you want to just throw a couple of uh, quick points, or even if it was a three point plan, if I were to put a, uh, I guess, you know, blue blueprint ahead of you, um, what would you do? What steps would you do to improve the college football system uh, for the playoffs? Yeah, I really like that question. Um, I'll start off by saying this: take a look at the top 15 teams in college football, how many of them deserve to be in the playoff right now? I would be hard-pressed to find more than four. I know there are some good teams out there, but by the end of week 14 or whatever it was, there were only four teams to pick from. There was nobody else that could have got it, right? And if Oklahoma would have lost that game, you'd be hard-pressed to find who the fourth team is. Alabama was two loss. Auburn was way out of it. Um, Georgia had just lost to LSU. They had two losses now. It, there was an Oregon had just beaten uh, beaten Utah, so there was nobody that deserved to really get that last playoff spot. There was no other options, and that was the same case last year. The difference last year was that there were six teams. There was obviously the last four spots, or last the last spot was between Notre Dame, Ohio State, Georgia, and um, Oklahoma. So it would have been you know the last seven, um, and I think that goes to show that as good as college football is. We're not quite there yet for a very expansive playoff system. And I know people are going to disagree with that. But for me, I think six is the ultimate goal, at least at this point. The next step for me is six. I don't want to see eight, and I don't want to see 16. Maybe we get to eight one day. But um, for me, I think moving to six is the first step. So you said three-point plan. You know, that's a long answer. But point one, we're moving to six with the top two teams getting a bye, so there's still something to play for. Second, I'm getting rid of conference championships. I think that is very important because, one, nobody's on the same level, so obviously Notre Dame can only play 12 games, but also for the bowl games, you know, not everybody plays 13 games. Only the, the champions do, and then they, the loser of the championship game has an extra loss without, you know, having played the extra game. So I would get rid of conference titles as well. Puts everybody on the same footing. Uh, same thing with the tie-ins. All that stuff goes away. And um, third step, I think the committee has to have an actual outline of who they're, uh, what criteria they're picking people in. I find some years they're too arbitrary with it. I think this year was one. I mean, why Notre Dame was behind Oregon still blows everyone's mind when you know the whole resume was very clear we were ahead of them. So I think those would be my three things. Move to six, at least as a first step. Get rid of conference title games, and then three, have a very clear, or at least a, a an outline of what you're ranking teams based on, and then we could, I see, 
think, see even more improvement. Sorry, problem with the muting there. Uh, yeah, I am in basic agreement with a lot. I I don't mind the conference title games, uh, but if it means um, getting rid of the bowl tie-ins, the conference bowl tie-ins, then I would definitely be in favor of of nixing the conference championship games. So my uh, my three-point plan would be as follows. First and foremost, in order to qualify for a bowl game, you have to have eight wins. Um, let's get rid of the you know, point set a bowl between you know Louisiana Tech and you know the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers or whatever the, the whoever the hell's playing. Uh, I, I I want the highest of high quality teams getting into bowl games. Uh, two, getting rid of the uh, bowl tie-ins for conferences. I think that it should be more so a lottery. Um, you know. Basically, you're you're bidding on teams and uh, to get the the invite to get the best matchup. I think the the more of a quote unquote market you're able to introduce, uh, the more marquee matchups we're going to get. Uh, some some of them might be regional, some of them might be you know historical. But I think it's going to be really interesting in terms of you know building um, better matchups going forward. And then the last thing is is exactly as you mentioned, moving to six teams, uh, first and second overall uh, seeds or, or ranks will get a first round bye. The final, you know, three through six will duke it out in a quarterfinal, then semifinal, then final. Uh, I think that would go a long way in including those fringe teams that you did make a great point of the top fifteen teams. You know, where a bunch are ten and two. Sorry, my dog's having an aneurysm. Okay, you okay, Lil? Okay. All right. <laughs> um, I, I think that, that does go a long way in regards to uh, making a bowl game revered, making these guys want to play for it, and also opening it up to uh, some fringe teams that, you know, a 10-2 Alabama does belong in the playoff, quite frankly. Um, that That's my thoughts on how to, to make it better. Yeah, and I think that's why you got to get rid of the conference game is if you're going to have all those extra games, you know, a quarterfinal, semifinal, final. I don't think it makes sense for kids to be playing 16 games a year. And I think the bowl games go on too long. I would ideally have the championship game being played, you know, New Year's Eve. Like, I don't I don't like that the 2019 champion will be in the 2020 bowl game. It, it kind of just my OCD doesn't like that. But I, I think I am concerned about having too many games being played. So that's why I would get rid of the conference title as well. But yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. Um, I think that's a good, a good plan, and I think they'll probably move towards some of that, um, at least with the expansion. But um, let's now talk about the one game that matters very briefly, because neither of us prepared for this. Notre Dame is playing the Iowa State Cyclones, I believe, from the Big Twelve. They are seven and five, although they are probably better than a seven and five team. Um, SMP plus, I took a quick look, had Notre Dame at 16 in the country and Ohio and Iowa state at 22 or 23. So it's not too unevenly matched, but, um, it's one that Notre Dame should and will be favored in. So Steve, do you have any kind of thoughts on the game? 
I know obviously this is a disappointing bowl game, but I mean, it's one we should win and a bowl win is a bowl win. Yeah. Uh, Iowa state is one of the frisky teams that feels like once a year they're, they're due for a big upset. I don't think they really got a big marquee upset this year. I feel like they, they're constantly putting like Oklahoma or Texas on, on, on watch. They actually did beat, uh, Oklahoma a few years back. Uh, Bryce Purdy is the truth. I'm pretty sure he's a true sophomore. He threw for like 4,000 yards or something like along those lines, over 30 touchdowns. Uh, they're going to air it out. And I think this is a, um, this is going to be a great test uh, since we're a little bit banged up on the defensive line. Uh, this is going to be a great test to see how our secondary, which is basically ranked fifth in, in, in efficiency, uh, how it's going to, how they're going to show. Uh, are we going to show that you know we are truly making the next step, uh, getting our defensive backs on the level of an LSU uh, or you know an Alabama or an, an Ohio State, you know the, the quote unquote DBUs uh, that have been you know di- dictated by all the prospects they've put forth in the NFL. In the NFL. Are we going to catch up to that? Are we going to ball out and show that hey we uh, you know this is a seven and five team of pipsqueaks and and we are going to beat the living piss out of them forty two to. 17 let's hope so i i really want to blow the doors off of them i want to show no respect and no mercy whatsoever um yeah i think it's a good thing that chip long is moving on from the program i'd love to see coach tom reese uh fill in and take his shoes which there's been some chatter about that um and and i think uh, it would be nice to just blow the fucking doors off of them and and show just an absolutely dominant defensive performance so tell people we're 11 and 2. We're in the top 15. We have great pro, you know, recruiting classes coming in. Notre Dame is back and we are ready to play with the big boys and we can get some momentum heading into 2021. No, 2020. So I'm thinking there's recruiting classes. Uh so that that's my thoughts on it. I I'm not particularly scared of them in any capacity. What I am afraid of is something that you've referenced which is, you know, a smaller t- program thinking this is uh, their Super Bowl for a lot of these guys. This will be the last game they ever play. Um, you know, most Iowa State guys are not getting invited to a combine or a camp. So, uh, you know, their seniors are going to be balling out for this. This is probably their last game they'll ever play in their lives. You got to be on the lookout for that. But I want to crush them like the bugs that they are. Yeah, I agree. I want to crush them. Um, I have a feeling this is going to be a tight game. I don't know if we're going to take it too seriously. Tommy Rees will be auditioning for a job um, as offensive coordinator. I don't know if I want him to be the offensive coordinator, but that's something we can talk about after. Um, Hopefully, in my mind, we'll do another one after the game and then one after the national championship game to end the whole college football season. So we'll talk about it at some point there. Um, This is one where I don't know enough about Iowa State. I know they give a lot of teams trouble, but we are Notre Dame. Um... You know, we, uh, we're we good this year, pretty good this year, as, as much as it doesn't feel like it. We're a better team than Iowa State, and uh, I think ultimately we'll come away with the win. For me, I'm, I'm going to predict 34-24. I think it'll be a, a close enough game where we're not comfortable, but we should still win. Uh, do you have a score prediction? Sorry. Can you, um, do you have a score prediction? Score prediction. Uh, I'm going with... I think I'm going to go with uh, 38-21 Irish. All right. That's a pretty uh, a pretty big one there. So if you like Steve's prediction, take the Irish to cover because I think it's a fairly close line. Um, I think the money line's close at least. But that pretty much wraps it up. 
Um, I know we were late getting this to you guys, um, but we figured we'll do Bowl and, and Stanford and preview all in one. We wanted to have some guests on, but life has just been a little too hectic for, for the two of us. Um, P-Wagon, maybe next year. Who knows? Um, and I think that's kind of it. So um, this week we'll have a big bowl game for the Irish. Um, college football playoffs will be will be on. So going to wish everyone, uh, you know, happy holidays, new year. Enjoy your bowl season. Steve, do you have anything uh, else to, to say before we go? No, pretty much it. Um, we will have something out relatively soon in the next week and a half or so after uh, the bold picture kind of solidifies and clears up and, and obviously after Notre Dame's uh, game this upcoming Saturday. Excited, disappointed. That's Notre Dame fandom in a nutshell, and that's pretty much my closing remarks. How about yourself? No, I think that's it. I'm excited to watch some college football and um, enjoy some time you know, with family like all of you guys are. So with that, go Irish, beat Iowa State.